Hey, thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. Here at Reveal, our mission is simple. Find God, find others, and find yourself. For more information, visit us online at revealvineyard.com. So we are in a series about starting over. So the series is about starting over, and we have subtitled this series. Um, can we go ahead and get the title slide up there? Good morning. Thank you. All right. And we have subtitled this series, How to Ensure Next Time Won't Be Like Last Time. So that's kind of what we're trying to figure out. We're trying to figure out how to make next time better than last time. And here's what I'm talking about. Maybe, maybe you had a job or a business adventure that went wrong. You know, you kind of got cut from underneath or... You know, maybe, you know, someone uh, embezzled money and, and left you kind of on the, on, the, on the short end of that. Uh, maybe you had a marriage that uh, didn't, didn't, didn't end up so well, right? The marriage ended, came to an end, and, and now you're thinking about starting over. You're thinking about getting married again. Uh, maybe you, you've been in relationship after relationship after relationship. You know, you're kind of a serial dater, and we're not talking about breakfast. But, you know, you, you, you keep dating people, and, and you keep finding that you... Are, find yourself in the same dysfunctional relationship over and over again. And, and you know, you ask the question, you know, what, what's the common denominator here? And the common denominator is you, right? And, and so maybe you're having frustrations with relationships or maybe you're in college, right? How many of you are in college? And maybe you just wrapped up the worst semester of your life, okay? And, and you're just like, oh, man, I don't know if the deans will even allow me to come back, you know? And they like, you know... Didn't want anyone to know that I was associated with this school because they did so poorly. Uh, and, and so maybe that's it. And, and so whatever it is that you're, you're starting over in in life, you know, m- maybe it was your fault. And maybe, maybe it wasn't your fault, right? Maybe you had nothing to do with that failed marriage. Maybe you had nothing to do with that failed business. And I'm sure that if, if we've all been given enough time, we can generally figure out how it isn't our fault. Like we can pretty much figure out how to kind of manipulate the story and, and put it all on someone else, right? And if you were here last week, we talked about that, that sphere of blame and how when, when we've got, you know, 100% of that blame, usually the part that we're willing to own is like, you know, the teeny, teeny, teeny little sliver, you know, like that point one zero one percent of the failed whatever was our fault and the rest of it was on everybody else. So again, whether you're starting over financially, academically, relationally, professionally, um, romantically, this series will be extremely helpful. And if this is your first time here, or if this is the first time in this message series, meaning that you actually think I'm the senior pastor here, um, that means you haven't been here for very long, okay, go back and listen to the first two messages of this series so that you have the full context of what we're talking about today. And so we talked about last week and the, the first week that we learned from our mistakes, it seems like, in the areas that matter the least, right? Like, you only had to make, you know, uh, that, that mistake in that game or in that sport once, right? Like, how many times have, have you ever um, gotten an email from someone, and it's from a person you don't like? Like, they sent you this email, and you're like, oh, I can't stand this person. And they CC'd you and, like, like three other people, and so you, you kind of came up with something snarky to say. And so you replied to who you thought was just going to be your buddy, but you ended up replying to everybody, right? And so that snarky comment went back to them. Did that ever happen to you? I'm the only one? Okay. Hey, I learn. I learn really fast. So we tend to learn really fast from the mistakes that we make in life that matter the least. However, what we discovered is that we repeat the mistakes in the areas that matter the most. So our finances, right? Our relationships, our parenting, leadership, um, academics. And, and so we, we, we don't learn from those. 
We just keep repeating those mistakes. And these are the areas that matter the most. And so we sit back and, you know, we're kind of exhausted. We're frustrated. Here I am again. And so we ask the question, when will I learn? And it's a great question. It's a question that needs to be asked. But the problem is, in the areas that matter the most, before we've had time to actually answer that question or learn from our our, our previous experience, we just jump right back in. You know, we, we get involved again. And we make the same mistakes over that we made the last time. And so history just keeps repeating itself. And we said that the reason why history keeps repeating itself is we bought into three myths. The experience myth, right? Experience makes me wiser. Well, experience doesn't make you wiser. It just makes you older. But evaluated experience makes you wiser. We said that the know better myth is, you know, well, since I know better, I'll do better. Okay, I don't even have to convince you that that's not true. You know that that's not true, right? Just because you know something doesn't mean you're actually going to do it, right? Because you've all had those moments when you've done something and you go, what was I thinking? Because I know better. Or you've said to your kids, you know better, right? So I don't even have to convince you that that's not true, but it's a myth that a lot of us buy into. I know better, therefore I'll do better. But the truth is, we have to plan better. We have to be surrendered in some way. And then the third myth was that, you know, time is against me. You know, I, I've got to get back in the game. You know, I'm not getting any younger. You know, opportunities are passing me by. You know, but my friends are all, you know, everybody's progressing in life except me, so I've got to hurry up and catch up. But we said, look, time is not against you. It's not your enemy. Time is your friend. Because with time comes clarity. And with clarity comes the ability to make better decisions. Because if you were making better decisions to begin with, you wouldn't be starting over to begin with. And so we said, look, there are three things, three exercises, three, you know, um, philosophies, if you will, that you need to do in order to ensure that next time will be better than the last time. And the reason why we're pointing these three things out is that as a pastor, or if you ever talk to other pastors or other counselors, we see this pattern in life over and over and over again. And honestly, we're just sick of hearing it. That was supposed to be a little funny. So I'm I'm dry, witty humor. You'll have to just kind of bear with me. So... So we see this over and over again, and so we're not like perfect people, but we're like, all right, look, people, here's a pattern. Haven't we figured this out yet? And so let's just stop. Let's push pause on life, and let's evaluate this stuff so that we can get it right the first time. Because here's the thing. Your life will have pain in it, okay? You don't have to go looking for it. It's going to happen. I I promise you, you will have pain in life. But let's have a little bit of wisdom to try to avoid the unnecessary pain in life. Are you with me? So, again, this stuff is not rocket science, right? This is, this is kind of common sense stuff. And so nothing I'm going to say is going to be so earth-shattering. You're like, man, he's like, you know, this genius. Because I'm not really, I'm really not. Just ask my wife, and she will clarify that for you very quickly. So when it comes to starting over, whether we're starting over in a marriage, a job, relationship, academically, whatever it is, we said that, look, there are three things that you have to do. you got to own it, you got to rethink it, and you got to release it. Last week we talked about how you got to own it, right? That you can't blame your way into a better future. You can blame your way into the future, right? And when we said blame, I said that that's when we blame something, we be lame. And I got about just as much laughter last week as I did then. And, uh, but, you know, I'm a glutton for punishment, so I went with it anyways. I just dove right in. Um, so you can't blame your way into a better future. You can blame your way into the future. But here's the thing. When you blame others for your failures in life... Whether it was all you or none you or little you, whatever the case may be, you smuggle the things that wrecked that last time into your future thing. So, for instance, if your dysfunctions, your, your, your bad habits, your addictions, right, your insecurities, when you blame other people for what failed last time, 
those things just follow you right into your future. And who wants to sabotage their future, right? But that's what blame does. It sabotages your future. And so we said, look, and own it, you have to own your part of whatever it is that you're having to restart. And we said, look, you have to, in order to make peace with your past, you have to own your piece of the past. I kind of said that backwards. But, and so today we're going to talk about how to rethink it, right? And, and here's what I mean. When I say rethink it, we've all been in that place where that failed thing happened or, you know, again, you know, that, that relationship, you know, that she left me, yeah, that, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, I, I failed that class, you know. And then we all sit down and we ask this question. What was I thinking? What was I thinking, right? Like, he's an idiot. What was I thinking? You know, I, I keep dating people that are idiots. You know, what was I thinking? This is a great question. You know, I, 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 everybody warned me. You know, my mom said, look, I've got 12 reasons why she's bad news for you. I said, but mom, I love her. She said, well, give me one thing that you love about her. You couldn't come up with anything, but you loved her anyway, right? Went sideways. What was I thinking? Or how about this, you know? Zero percent down. No payments for eight years. Okay? <laughs> it's too good to be true. <laughs> it's because it is too good to be true, right? What were you thinking? What was I thinking? Or, you know, 30% guaranteed return. All we need is $2,000 from you today. What was I thinking? Or for those of you who just finished up school, you know, I knew I should have studied for that test. What was I thinking? You know, we've been there. And the reason that we ask the question, what was I thinking, is because when you look back at your behaviors or your decisions, it doesn't even make sense to us, right? It doesn't even make sense to you. Like, you go, what? That's just stupid. What was I thinking, right? Because that doesn't even make sense. But you did it. You made those decisions. And so what were you thinking? And this is an extremely important question that we frequently ask, but we rarely pause to actually give an answer. You know, it's kind of this thing that we just kind of say, you know, kind of a cute little thing. Oh, what was I thinking? I'll jump right back in. You know, what was I thinking? She's cute. You know, what was I thinking? You know, sure, I'll I'll take that job. What what, what do you do? You know, or what was I thinking? No, I'll, I'll lease another one. It's all good. You know, or what was I thinking? Let's go shopping. You know, woo! What was I thinking? And so it becomes like this little flitting, fleeting thought through our minds, and we don't stop to answer it. But if you actually do stop and come up with a real answer to this question, I believe that this will be key for you and for me to ensure that next time won't look like last time. But if you don't, history will just simply repeat itself. And here's why. This is not earth-shattering, right? But if you think the way you used to think, you'll do the things you used to do. Like, some of you are like, okay, I I woke up for this, right? You know, like, this is, everybody knows that, right? But we keep doing it. We keep doing the things that we used to do. We keep thinking the way we used to think, and then we keep getting the same results. You know, you've heard it said before, you know, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and over again, the same way, and expecting a different result. But if you keep thinking the way you were thinking that last time, and that last job, and that last relationship, chances are history is going to repeat itself. Now, in a few minutes, I'm going to run through seven lethal thoughts that kind of get people into trouble, right? Uh, but before that, I, I, I want to take a look at a, a passage of Scripture. If you've ever grown up in church, this Scripture will be very familiar to you. You know, it's, it's, it's ancient, but man, it is so relevant, uh, and, the, and the Apostle Paul wrote it. And, and if, we, if we can nail this, right, it will help us to avoid a lot of those what was I thinking moments. Now, if you know Paul's story, right, Paul was, you know, this, this 
big mean guy that was like chasing down Christians and he was hunting them down. And he had his own starting over story, right? Where he went from trying to kill Christians to trying to plant churches in the name of Jesus Christ. And so he, he understood this tension of what it takes to really start over and get it right the second time. He understood that the tension of, of living with the regret and the pain of knowing what you've done. You know, that, that the people he was trying to encourage in their faith in Jesus were the very same people he was trying to destroy. And so that tension for him was really real. So he was not fuzzy on this idea of what it really means to start over. But here's what Paul says. When it comes to thinking our way into a better future, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, we'll pause right there. This is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. And if you know anything about history, you know that Rome was not a fun place to be a Christian, right? And so this letter is actually for Christians. So look, if you're not a Christian here today, or you're not really sure, you're kind of on the fence, you know, I'm, I don't know what I really believe, or you, know, you wouldn't call yourself a, a follower of Jesus or a disciple of Jesus, you know, you can take or leave this advice. Right? You can take and go, yeah, hey, I'll try it. Or you can just kind of go, man, not for me. But if you are a Christian, you're on the hook, right? You, you're on the hook for this, right? So therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, what he was just talking about, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice, but as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So here's what he's saying. Look. Offer your bodies, not your intentions, not an hour or two on Sunday, you know, not your passing thoughts, but to offer your bodies, your very existence as a pleasing offering to God. It's minute by minute, it's moment by moment that you're living for God's glory. And are you going to stumble? Yes. Are you going to jack it all up? Yes. But you have to be intentional about making sure that you're living to be a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice, but a living sacrifice. So that's what Paul says. Look, if you want to start over right, you've got to become a living sacrifice. Well, that's great, Paul. What exactly does that mean? Well, he goes on to explain it. He he, he repeats himself, but then he kind of fleshes out what this really looks like in a a, a practical way. Um, So he says this in verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of, of this world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not be formed according to the pattern of the culture that's around you. In other words, don't be like everyone else. That's easy. Don't be like everyone else. Don't have the same kind of marriage that everyone has. Don't, don't, don't manage your finances the way everyone else does. You know, don't, don't treat your sexuality the same way that the rest of the world does. Don't be like everyone else. Instead, be different, right? Don't, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Basically, Paul is saying, look, don't be this guy. Right? This guy's lame. Right? He, he's boring. right? And this is what the world does. When we conform, which really means that we put zero effort into life, into who we're becoming, we just kind of go along with what everybody else does. And, and, and the world just wants to do this to us. You know, there you go, there you go, another one, another one, another one. And we just become cookie-cutter humans. You know, we may have a smiley face, we may have a frown face, you may have a big bow tie, you may have, you know, some rainbow color buttons, you may have one color buttons, you know, you may have squiggly lines. But we all end up the same way, right? Dunked in milk, okay? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but seriously, when we conform, essentially we're making zero effort to decide who we're going to become. And we're just allowing our world to form us the way they want to. Paul's saying, don't be that guy. That guy's boring. He says this. Instead, 
be transformed. Let yourself be transformed, right? And the idea here that in order to be transformed, it takes effort, right? Like I've seen some of you guys, not me, but I've seen some of you guys, you're pretty buff, right? You're ripped, okay? You didn't just wake up and go, man, I really want to be ripped. You had to transform your bodies. You had to intentionally make the effort to get into the gym and work out and to stop eating Krispy Kreme and bonbons and all the things that I eat. And so if that's you, I, I need your help. So come, in, come and see me after service. But the idea here, again, it takes effort. And so Paul says, do you want to be a conformer, right? Do you want to be Emmett from the Lego movie, you know? Everything is awesome. You know, right? You know, we're just going to do what everybody says, right? I'm just going to follow the rules. I'm not going to upset anything. I don't want to stand out. I want to be different. I want to be just like everyone else. So you're going to be Emmett from the Lego movie, the conformer, you know, Paul says, don't be that guy. Be this guy. Don't be a conformer. Be a transformer, right? You know, like that's what you need to be, right? So I actually wanted to get the bigger one of this, but I found out that that was the bad guy, and so I didn't want to upset any, like, transformer, like, gurus. You know, some, some people take their folklore very seriously. But Paul says, look, don't, don't be this guy. Be this guy. Be transformed, right? Be transformed. Um, and the problem, though, is that when it comes to being transformed, we live in a culture that says, well, get it done, right? Get it done right away. You know, we're in this microwave culture. Let's be transformed. Well, let me pray it. Let me will it. Let me want it. Let me, let me promise God so that it can just kind of happen, right? Because that's how everything else happens. You know, if you need something, you order from Amazon. But you can't do this through Amazon, Right? This, this takes a little bit of time. And so Paul says, look, if you don't want to have a marriage that looks just like everybody else's, if you don't want your finance to be just like everybody else's, right? You know, if you don't want your kids to never visit you when you're old because that's just what everyone else's families are like, then you need to do something different. And he says, look, don't be conformed. Instead, be transformed. But how you do that is this, by renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. So in order to become this, you have to renew your mind. Right? So in other words, in order to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, you actually have to make some changes right here. you got to pay attention to what's going on. And so when you start asking that question, what was I thinking, you need to pause. And you need to give yourself an answer because you owe it to yourself to give yourself an answer. Because here's the idea. To be transformed is not simply because you will it. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Something's got to change up here. Now, another way to think of renewing is maybe restore. Now, some of you, if you're into cars, or if you've ever seen furniture restored, right, there's a process. You have to remove the old, the weathered, you know, the things that were kind of making it, you know, look kind of crappy. And you're just like, eh, it's time to do something about that. Right? You ever seen that commercial, oh, better get Mako, you know, that type of thing. And so we see something, it needs a new look. And so we want to restore it. But in order to do that, you've got to take off the old. You've got to remove it. And even after you've done that, it looks even uglier, right? Like, oof. But in order to do it correctly, you've got to take off the old first. Because what happens, right? What happens if you put on the new before taking off the old? What happens? None of you have restored anything. It's great. The new peels off, right? The new peels right off. And so you waste your efforts. And it's the same thing with our minds. If we just try to 
put on new without removing the old, without renewing our minds, it's just going to peel off and we're going to revert right back to where we were before. Stinking thinking. And this is why people, they start over with good intentions, but then history just repeats itself. Because it looks good for a while, but eventually it unravels. Because it's a process that takes time. Renewal takes time. And like we've been saying in the past two uh, uh, weeks, time is your friend. When you leverage time, it gives you clarity to make better decisions about your future. And this is why for some of you, and again, these are not reveals, you know, hard and fast, thou shalt and stuff like that. But, but really, it's why as pastors, a lot of times we don't want to remarry people who've been divorced less than two years. Because they need time to be renewed. They need time to be healed and to gain that clarity. So jumping right back into another marriage is usually not the best decision. This is why we don't let new believers jump into leadership, right? I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? It's like, great. That's great. You've got a lot of enthusiasm and you're sincere, but you're not mature. And maturity takes time. You can't just, you know, read a book and become mature overnight. It takes time. You need to renew your mind. That's why there's a process. So if you ever go to a church and it's like, you're brand new and you're like, hey, I just found Jesus. Can I be in leadership? And they say, yes, run. That is not the church for you to be in because it's going to be an unhealthy place. You need mature leaders who've been through a process, a process which takes time because it takes time to renew your mind. This is why, and some of you, I'm going to step on your toes. If you're single, you know, all the single ladies, I thought about, you know, but I know it would just, it would be bad, really bad. It would be like one of those, my most regretful moments. But anyhow, if you're single and you got into that relationship and it went deeper and deeper and it got chaotic and it kind of got sideways and it, it ended it's usually wise to just wait a year before dating in. I know that that is just like unheard of, right? Because I all hear younger people say all the time, well, what if I meet the right person? Well, they're not going to like you because you're not the right person right now. You haven't figured out how to stop finding yourself in this dysfunctional pattern. So even if you find the right person, they're not going to like you. You've got to become the right person, right? And so you need to take time to renew your mind. And this is why it's a good idea also that if you've been through major loss, a death in the family or something that just rocks your world, you know, don't make any major decisions for a year. You know, don't buy a brand new car. Don't move. Don't buy a new house. Just, just wait. I'm not saying that you can't eventually do that stuff. But the reality is when we're going through a loss like that, we're grieving. And when we're grieving and we start wanting to make big decisions, really the only thing we're doing is we're, we're trying to numb that grief. And, and nine times out of ten, okay, 9.99999 times out of ten, when we make big decisions, when we should just be grieving, we regret those decisions because we shouldn't have made them. And so take the time to be renewed. Since Paul nailed it, right, when he said, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But then he gives us the payoff, right? Here's the promise. So if you do this stuff, here's what's going to happen. Then, okay, after you've renewed your mind, then after you've renewed your mind, you will be able or you'll have the ability, right, you'll have gained this new talent, this new ability to test and approve what God's will is, right? So in other words, it's saying so to test and approve would be saying how to discern, right, how to determine what God's will is for you. 
his good, pleasing, and perfect will. But here's the thing for Christians. Do you even care? Do you even care what God's will is for your life? Because a lot of times when I meet with Christians or I counsel with people, and they say, you know, they're followers of Jesus, they don't even ask that question. They don't want to know what God's will is for life. They want God to like their will for their life. And that's usually the way it is. We've got our desires, our will. God, here's my plan. Why don't you get on board, right? It'd be so much easier if you would just get on board with my will because my will is good. But it's not as good as you think. We need to test and approve what God's will is. But you've got to take time to renew your mind. And so what are the implications of this, right? Well, it means you, you actually need to read your Bible. You know that thing that's been sitting in your mama's you know, house on top of that bookshelf that's like collecting dust, right? It's, you know, hidden by like 40 knickknacks that you don't even know what they are anymore, right? But you need to blow the dust off that thing or, you know, if, if you're like me and you're just too lazy to open a book, you know, you download it on your phone and you need to start reading the Bible on a regular basis because you cannot renew your mind if you don't get God's thoughts into your mind, right? It means like for some of us, you need to be at church regularly, and maybe it's not this church. Maybe you don't like me. My sense of humor is terrible. And you're like, ah, you're an idiot. I, okay, I get that, right? But there's plenty of great churches in the valley. So find one and stick with it. And it's why if you're here, we, we push and we push and we push. And sometimes we feel like bad marketers. But you need to be in a regroup. You need to do community with people. Because when you're in circles with other people who've had different experiences from you, who have more maturity than you, who have more life wisdom than you, you learn a lot of things that you wouldn't learn otherwise. You avoid making the kinds of mistakes that you probably would have stumbled into because you're around other people who help you learn to think differently. And that's what this is all about. In order to renew your mind, you're, you're trying to learn how to think differently because regret and resolve, when you mess things up, it's just not enough. It's just not enough. Oh, I'm so sorry, God, I'll never do it again, right? Or, God, I, I promise next time, next time, I'll do better. Well, that's great. Great intentions, great thoughts. But that's just not how real life works, is it? And so regret and resolve are not enough because we've said it already. If you think the way you used to think, you'll what? You'll do the things you used to do. So, real quickly, here are seven assumptions or lethal assumptions or lethal thoughts that you and I typically make or typically have. Now, here's the thing. None of these are going to be like rockets. Like, you're not going to hear these and go, oh, my gosh, I've never heard that before. You'd be like, well, duh, right? Like, everybody knows that. Or who would buy into that, right? That's, I mean, that's just silly. But the reality, it is these very thoughts that are just beneath the surface of our consciousness that keeps continually leading us you know, and driving our decisions that undermine our own future, all right? So if you've ever asked the question, what was I thinking? In other words, if you're over 10 and you have a pulse, what was I thinking? You owe it to yourself to give yourself an answer. So here are some. And again, you might find one of these that really resonates with you. You may find three. If you have all seven come down here, we're going to demonize it or we're going to, you know, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I've never even actually done that. I want to because it would be like really, no, I don't. The Conjuring 3 reveal version, sorry. I'm going to stop before I really get into trouble. 
Some of these, and, and, and your assumptions may be something different. So none of these may be yours. You'd be like, Mike, you don't even know what you're talking about, right? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't resonate with any of those. But here, here are some of the things that most of us have just beneath the surface that just keep tripping us up. Here's the first one. If I can find the right person, everything will be all right. Right? He was an idiot. Well, you chose him. So what were you thinking, right? Well, if you don't know what you were thinking, chances are you're just going to choose another idiot. So you're not going to find the right person and then everything will be all right. You have to become the right person. And I love the way Andy Stanley says it. Look, in order to find the person that you're looking for, you need to become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. I know that's totally confusing, but say it three times over and it magically just makes sense, right? But in order to find the person that you're looking for, you have to become the person that you're looking for is actually looking for. So you have to become the right person. Because when you use a relationship as an escape strategy, you've already undermined that relationship. It has no chance. Because relationships were not designed for rescue. All right? Different people don't guarantee different results. Here's the next one. My situation is unique. No, it isn't. It's not unique. It's not unique at all. You are unique, but your situation isn't, right? Have you, know, have you ever gone to the doctor and wondered why he doesn't have to ask you where your heart is when he puts on the stethoscope? Because we're all pretty much the same, right? It's why doctors have the ability to, to make diagnoses and stuff like that because we're all pretty much the same. And so while you are unique in who you are and, and how you're fit together and how God made you, how he wired you, your situation, it just isn't, right? It's not unique. Here's another one. It's not right, but it makes me happy. And God wants me to be happy. Well, as a pastor, and we're getting vocational ministry for 15 years now, I honestly, I don't know if God wants you to be happy. I don't know. I don't read it in the Bible that says, well, you know, when it's all sin gone, God just wants you to be happy. I don't read that anywhere. I read there's going to be trials, there's going to be tribulations. Woohoo! isn't this happy? Let's all sign up, you know. I'm not saying that there isn't joy. There is joy. And there's joy despite your circumstances. Is that what you mean by happy? I don't know. But I don't know if God wants that for you. But look, if it means that you have to smudge a law, you know, compromise your ethics. Well, you know, it's, it's not technically legal, but, you know, it makes me happy, right? I probably shouldn't, but it makes me happy. Hey, nobody's getting hurt, but it makes me happy, right? That's just not the way to go because the truth is this. If it's not right, things are just not going to turn out right. If it's not right, it won't turn out right. Here's another one. If I only had blank, you fill in a blank, then I would be satisfied, right? If I only had you fill in the blank, then I would be satisfied. You know, if I had a new car, you know, if I had better clothes, you know, whatever the case would be, bigger house, you know, bigger house with a basement or, you know, a bigger house with a basement that now I've actually finished because it was unfinished and now it's just kind of staring at me and I feel like I'm a failure. So if I could just get the basement finished, you know, whatever that thing is, then you'll be satisfied. Let me ask you a question. And this is not an attack on anybody, so put your defenses down. How many of you know people that just have one tattoo? Just one tattoo, right? One tattoo that we know of. Or you're thinking about what that next tattoo is going to be, right? And, and, and look, I'm not down on tattoos. I think they're cool. I think they're awesome. I love to look at them on other people. You know, I'm too much of a wimp to actually get a tattoo. I'd be the guy, you know, on YouTube, you know, 
four billion looks, you know, grown man cries for four hours while getting a Snoopy tattoo on his shoulder, you know. Uh, that would be me, and so I, I, I don't do that. But the reality is this, we can, we can apply that to anything. Anything. Because appetites are never fully and finally satisfied. Because if you feed an appetite, what does it do? It grows. You ever see like the hot dog champion eater of the world, right? He's this skinny little Asian dude. You're like, how in the world did you eat all those hot dogs? And his secret is like a week or two before it, he just eats anything he sees. See, we would be thinking, oh, you starve yourself, right? You get yourself, are you so hungry? I'm like, oh, I'm going to pound that hot dog tray, you know? But no, he spends literally two or three weeks prior to that competition, which I don't even know why you would have a competition like this, just eating whatever he wants. Because as we feed an appetite, it grows. And he figured that out. So new won't change you, but renew will change you. Here's another one. I owe is better than I want. Say that again. I owe is better than I want. Now, you may not consciously think that. And just hearing me say it, you're probably thinking, well, that's just stupid, Mike. Come on. But the reality is this. Okay. When you saw it, you wanted it. But in order to get it, you had to owe. I want it, but I got to owe. If I get it, I'm going to owe, but I want it. And so you bought it. You drove it. You wore it. You watched it. You moved into it, right? And then you realize there was this tension because in the end, you couldn't afford it. And so now you've got this tension. And the truth is, is you're going to have the tension one way or the other. If, if, you, if you continue to want it, you're going to have tension because it's not going to leave you sight. But then if you, if you get it and you owe, well, now you have this tension because, you know, now you're eating ramen every day and you're just sick of ramen, right? And so you get this tension and you're stuck. And here's the truth, right? After it's been dinged, vomited on, milkshake spilled on it, right, or you washed it and it went bad, it went in the dryer because your husband doesn't know how to do laundry, right? You know, you don't even like it anymore, right? Like, you're like ugh, I don't even like it. But like, a year ago, I was like, oh, God, I have it, right? How many of you have a phone that you've had for longer than two years? All right? You guys are like record setters, okay? Most people get a phone because, oh, my gosh, if only I had that phone, my life would be so much easier. And then you get the phone, and then still stinking developers, they, they release another one three minutes later, right? And you're like, oh, but your phone doesn't have this. And you're like, oh, but you push away, no, no, no. But then the next phone comes out, and you're like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> this phone will whisper to you at night. You know, it's like, I, I've got to have it. And so now this phone that you knew was going to satisfy you in life, in six months, you don't even want it anymore. In fact, you're suffering with this phone because there's that phone. And so we, we, we have to figure this out that I owe is better than I want. That's a lie. It is better to want than to owe. Because you eventually get it when you can, and then you enjoy it so much better. Because when everyone else is going, oh, I've got this payment, it's like, well, should have waited, right? I want is better than I owe. Here's another one. This This one might poke a little deeper. My secret is safe with me. No, it isn't. Right? Like, I thought really long and hard about this. No, it's not, right? So that's my answer. We can wrap things up and we'll be done. No, seriously. My secret is safe with me. Secrets are bad. Mm, They're unhealthy. Because here's the truth. At some point in time, and it's just a matter of when, and it's just a matter of who, 
Secrets seep. They leak. And then secrets threaten to destroy the very relationship or the very thing that you want to protect the most. Let that sink in. Because here's the deal. You, her, and that alcohol addiction, it's a bad threesome. Somebody's got to go. You know, you, her, and that porn addiction, it's not going to work out. Somebody's got to go. You know, you, him, and those prescription pills that you just can't seem to shake, it's just my secret. Mm-mm. It's a bad threesome. Somebody's got to go. And so you have to have the ability to bring that stuff into the light. And is it shameful? Oh, yeah. But it is so freeing. You have to bring that stuff into the light because your secrets are not safe. They are poisoning you, and they're poisoning the relationship that you value the most. Or they're poisoning that, that, that job or that career, that whatever, because your secrets will seep. And when they seep, they seep toxicity, and it will poison the very thing that you want the most. Now, just for fun, I have one more, but just to be fair, parents, if you have younger kids here that you've not talked about with the three-letter word, if you want to plug their ears and cover their eyes, I don't know what you want to need to do, um, but I don't want to be the one that let the cat out of the bag and then you're hating me for the rest of your life, but here's, here's, here's the last one. Sex will solve it. Sex will solve it. Okay, can we just be adults here, right, just for a minute? Is that not the stupidest thing you've ever heard? Sex doesn't solve anything. It just complicates it. Sex just complicates it, right? Because, you know, and, and, we, and we all go, come on, that's just silly. But we've, we've had thoughts like this. Well, if I, could just, if I could just get her to sleep with me, things would move along nicer, you know? Or, or, or if I just give in to him, if I just, if I just do this with him, then, then he'll be more committed, right? Or if we move in together, yeah, then, then it, things will step up and we'll start getting things moving in the right direction. We think these things, but it doesn't work out that way. Now, look, God's not a killjoy when it comes to sex. You know, right? you know don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Like, he made it, right? He thought it up. In fact, I can imagine the day he's sitting there going, ooh, <laughs> I got a good one. Oh, this is going to be great. And the angel's are like, wow, wow, what is it? Like, uh, you, know, you won't get it, sorry. You're never going to experience it. <laughs> now you wonder why they rebelled, right? You know? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Ooh, that was close. That was close. I'm just kidding. Sex is only going to complicate it, right? And could you imagine if just for six months in our culture, in this country, if for six months everybody took what the New Testament has to teach about our sexuality seriously? Just for six months and I know that seems crazy because, you know, and I only ask for six months because it'd be impossible to think forever because we just don't have that kind of self-control. But can you imagine how much pain, how much suffering, how much abuse, how much loneliness could be avoided, right? I mean, think about it. For six months, would we have less or more complications in life? It's not a trick question. And intuitively, you know. Like, I didn't have to tell you. I didn't have to teach it to you. You knew but the problem is, is we know a lot of stuff, but then we don't act on it. And so we know that sex is not going to solve it. It's just going to complicate it. Because it makes it even more difficult to do the right thing when it's staring you in the face. Right? Because you've, you've complicated it. 
You've created this sense of obligation to this person that you really weren't there. They weren't there, right? And so sex is not going to solve it. So what were you thinking? You know, which of those sevens hit home for you? You know, again, if it's all seven, come on up. We're going we're gonna to do business. But what did you believe? What did you think? What did you assume that led you into the place where now you got to start over? And here's the thing. You owe it to yourself to give yourself a specific answer to that question. What was I thinking? Don't just say it and then just run off. You've got to answer that question. Because remember, at the end of the day, you want to be a transformer. Just trying to break the tension, people. Work with me. And not a conformer. This is not who you want to be. You want to be this guy. This guy is awesome. And next time can be better than last time. But not just because you wanted it to be, right? Not because you, you promised God, not because of anything else, but because you renewed your mind. And that's the only way it's going to happen. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for a church where we can just talk and be honest, Lord. Even grace for maybe the bad humor um, that I've dropped this morning. But God, I pray that, that even though it's painful and maybe it's embarrassing, God, help us to just bring this stuff to the light. Help us to be transparent for just a moment, God, that, that we would own what it is that we've contributed to that failure, even if it's just that 1%. And God, that we would allow you to renew our minds, God, that we would not carry these lethal thoughts, that these, these poisonous assumptions into our future, God, that you would give us the wisdom to break the bondage that we've created, that you would give us the discernment to see the false thinking that we've allowed into our heads, and that we would put an end to it, Lord. Give us the clarity that we need to ensure that next time won't be like last time, because we've allowed you, Heavenly Father, to renew our minds. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, listen, if any of those hit home and and you kind of want to do a business or you want to throw a rock at me or something, come on up here. Uh, We'll have a ministry team uh, that can pray for you, minister to you, or if you've got any questions for me. Otherwise, have fun going out into that heat. We'll see you next week. We will finish up this series with releases, so make sure you're here. And again, if you missed the previous weeks, go catch them online. God bless. We'll see you guys next week.